0: This podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program, dedicated to inspiring and empowering HSPs. Hi, and welcome to the HSP World Podcast. With each episode, we invite a guest with the HSP trait to have a conversation about a burning HSP-related question they have. We're not coaches or therapists, we're HSPs holding space with you. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And your other hosts are
1: Robin and
2: rain. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the HSP world podcast. With us today, we have Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hi, it's great to be here. Nice to meet all of you. Thanks for joining us. Samantha, as usual, I'm going to ask if you can tell us a bit,
3: your HSP story, how you found out that you have the trait. Sure. Uh, Well, thanks again. I'm really excited to be here. And it's kind of been a journey to, to figure this out. I believe I've had this my whole life and uh, have just sort of recently found it as an adult. And it's really given me some unbelievable keys, what I like to refer to as the manual on myself, which has been very helpful. But basically, I grew up a competitive athlete. I was a swimmer. And, you know, even as a young kid, as a young teenager, I was practicing working out up to 11 times a week, um, Mm -hmm. which comes along with kind of a natural intensity to have that kind of you know, dedication and commitment to want to be exercising five hours a day as a 10-year-old had, you know, (laughs) state records by age 12, which isn't the typical way that, you know, growing up, having sleepovers, video games. So those were things that I did not typically participate in just because of the drive I had to be an athlete. So I would say that that was one thing as I grew up and stopped swimming, I was looking for places to continue to place that intensity and found out pretty quickly that in the adult world and in the professional world, that's not received as well. And, you know, don't necessarily always want to be that intense about your workplace and working extra hours is not always uh, received or provided with accolades. So I learned pretty quickly about burnout in the workplace and Mm -hmm. also tried to put that kind of intensity onto relationships. And and that also doesn't work out 100% of the time. So I would say in addition to being kind of an intense person, I was always also, even from a young age, very empathetic and very observant. And I would say what I've learned most recently about being observant in a COVID era is I am hyper vigilant, even about my surroundings and my environment, really in terms of a health and safety perspective, which came quite to life during COVID. And so all of that sort of built up in my mind. And I sort of wanted to know why this is the way that I am. And after going through a couple of relationships and, and feeling like the most intense person in the rooms at all time, and feeling like a little bit of a bull in a china shop emotionally against who am I, whoever my partner was at that time, I actually went on Google and Google searched how to be less intense. And looking mm-hmm. back, it sounds a little sad because now I know this is a personality trait that I want to embrace. But when I did that Google search, it came up with a Psychology Today article. And it was basically, do you feel too intense? Here's all the, the traits and characteristics. And you know, by the end of the article, I was full-blown crying because like I said, I felt like I had found... The user's manual on myself and so that's mm-hmm. sort of how I got to this point and now I'm doing work around okay what does that mean what are my strengths that I can harness what are some areas that I may need to guard and be aware of
2: mm-hmm. oh wow. that's a uh, really really beautifully put Samantha thank you mm-hmm. uh, thank you for sharing that Samantha yeah. that's
1: awesome hello
2: I like the connection between uh, sensitivity and drive there. That's uh, an angle Mm -hmm. that we we don't always play up, but I I think it can be there very much. Mm -hmm.
3: I think I might've mistook that drive which I later now know after some therapy that there's an element of anxiety that plays behind all that. And I think the anxiety worked to my strength as an athlete. I could channel mm-hmm. that to be just a very driven competitive athlete. And then when that goes away, you're kind of left with the remnants, which is anxiety and, and feeling too intense. So, you know, I think there are definitely pros and cons to being HSP, which I'm uncovering.
2: Mm. Excellent. Really interesting food for thought there. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: but I believe you had a, a question for us today. So, my question would be you know, we're talking about really being observant and hyper aware of your surroundings as part of HSP, I think we're naturally empathetic and pick up on small things. We may even pick up on things before our friends or family do and, and can even come to a conclusion much faster than them. But part of that is just being hyper aware or even without being conscious of it, just being very aware of the sensory information that you take in subconsciously all day. I think sensory information can be helpful to everyday life, but it can also, for me, weigh me down. And so I notice that by the end of the day, I'm aware of sounds and smells and um, touch. And just every call I've been on, any interaction I've had, I am at all times absorbing all details of my surroundings. And it's not just that I'm aware of them. I, I believe I'm actually filing them and sort of putting them in a certain place in my mind Mm. and carrying them and holding on to them and so i think by the end of the day i'm at the point where i'm at sensory overload because i can't just sort of let sensory come in and go by me i am addressing it all so my question would be how do we manage that or how do we deal with that
1: yeah that's a great question that's a great question samantha and i like how you said that about filing that information because really if our senses are basically wired to notice anomalies then we would be constantly scanning right (laughs) to notice if something is out of the ordinary so yeah and that does take energy for sure and it's not something we necessarily can control so that's a really good question.
2: Oh, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a huge one actually. I think I think probably every highly sensitive person has to think about this in order to keep well and keep balanced. And to some extent everyone, right? Because we live in an uh, an era where there's it's just so easy to be overwhelmed by many things, but you know, as always it's all the more true for a highly sensitive
0: Mm. and and more and more there's so many different aspects of the world that are trying to gain our attention mm. you know especially yeah. now with o- online and our phones and everything is trying to you know always notify this notify that mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's um yeah something that we uh, need to focus on
3: one thing that i think about a lot is are there certain jobs or careers that naturally lend to an abundance of stimulation during the day versus others that might be more suited or you know have less stimulus during the day and I I still challenge that because I regret the notion that I have to fit into a certain you know work from home don't interact with people because I do generally enjoy interacting with people and I would like all career options available to me but I do happen to work yeah. in a role that is very people centric and in dealing with people face to face and on the phone quite often. And I find that by the end of the day, I am zapped in terms of my energy from taking it all in, but I still really enjoy the job. So I, I think about a lot, you know, what is the best type of career for an HSP? And if we find ourselves in a a role that is more demanding from a stimulus perspective, how can we protect ourselves?
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think to answer very quickly a question about, you know, is there a best job? And and also your, your own answer, which is, you know, kind of resisting that idea that there's one best job. I would agree with that, that really any job can be, you know, better or worse for an HSP, depending on the parameters involved in there, right? How is that job actually being taken up, right? So maybe with some exceptions, some exceptions that are probably never going to appeal to an HSP, but in general, it, it really is more about how's the job being done. So I, I think one of the places to start is to get really good at noticing your own triggers, right? Because it's not every, like not every person is sensitive to the same things, mm-hmm. right? So there are, you know, for example, I'm, I'm not sensitive particularly to fabrics, Okay. Like I can wear things that are maybe a little bit itchy and it's, it's still fine. Whereas other people might be so sensitive to fabrics that they have to cut the tag off of all t-shirts or blouses or whatever, because it just, they can feel it and it drives them nuts. So knowing what are your own trigger points, what are the things that you are very sensitive to, I think can be helpful in managing it. Mm -hmm. And then there's the question of, okay, deal with it or avoid it right if it's some sometimes you have a choice right like you, you do have a choice about i don't know how often you go out to parties pre covid times right but even now mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe your choices are a little mm-hmm. more restricted right but in general you'd have a choice about you know how long you spend on the phone and how many parties you go to all sorts of things in the in the social world what kinds of hobbies you do right sometimes you might even have choices about how to get your work done do i email someone or phone them right There's some element of choice. So anything like that, it's easy. You you can adapt to your own trigger points. Things that are particularly important to you, okay? So like you're saying, a job that you love, right? Now, this is kind of mixed. This is something where you could avoid it, but it's giving you something back, right? So that's something where you can say, well, as long as I feel like it's a balance of I'm getting as much back as it's costing me, then, you know, then, then we move to the point of, okay, how do I, how do I deal with this? Right. And then I would lump that in the same category as things that you can't avoid. Right. So things that you can't avoid or things that are actually worth it for you to engage in, even if, you know, they're not necessarily unavoidable. That's where you have to, I think, get really good at paying attention to the overall balance in your life okay how much energy are you putting on these things that have become necessary because of you know life circumstances or or certain choices that then entail that you have to engage with these things and that that one is a little bit trickier that one i think you kind of have to take you know you have to there's multiple things that you could probably do and this is maybe where <laughs> I'm going to stop talking and ask people to help. But I mean, a couple of things that I'm thinking of when you were talking about like being really driven or really attending to certain things, Samantha, I know that, for example, something that I am often very attentive to at work when I'm teaching is my students' faces, right? So I'll notice very quickly if someone's confused or if they're not looking at me. I mean, it's a little bit harder online, right? But especially in person, I'll notice that very quickly. And like, that's something I can't avoid that comes with the job. So as long as I am still enjoying that job, I've got to find a way to deal with it. Right. So I thought, I think you were onto something really interesting when you were saying, you know, is there sometimes an overlap between anxiety and drive, right. Or even hypervigilance and anxiety. And so I've had to have multiple discussions with myself (laughs) over the years of teaching, to to say okay when i'm noticing that when i'm attending to that you know is it setting off some kind of anxiety for me that is then you know reinforcing that i'll be hypervigilant how can i talk myself down from that cycle so that maybe i'm still noticing it but i'm not setting off that chain of thoughts of like oh the student doesn't like me or oh they're they're cheating in class or oh you know like because you can right there's noticing And then there's noticing that sets off that big story in your head, right? So that would be, that would be one of the things that I'm thinking of, but you know, if anyone wants to jump in on any of those points there.
1: Well, I think for me, I like to start with a baseline every day, right? So meditating first thing that then gives me what I want to stay relatively close to during the day. As a baseline, so when I'm meditating, I feel very calm afterward. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not overly picking up. I'm noticing, but it's it's fine. You know what I mean? It's manageable. So for me, I find that having meditation gives me that baseline for the day, so that then I can notice. You know, I can check in with myself during the day and notice okay, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm moving into hypervigilance because I'm picking up on way too much, you know, kind of a thing. And then I can pull myself back and, you know, and either remove myself, go to the washroom and just, you know, relax for five minutes or whatever it is. But I can then compare to my baseline that I started with in the morning, right? So that helps me out. And I think it depends too, like, I mean, I know what you're talking about, Samantha, because there was a time I was working, I was working a nine to five job, dealing with the public, that kind of stuff. And then I also was taking a hip hop dance class at night, mm-hmm. and, you know, like a couple nights a week. And then there was something else I was taking too that was, you know, for a couple hours, one day of week. And after a couple of weeks of that, I was just, Exhausted. Now, this was before I knew I had the HSP trait, right? But I would say sometimes. I mean, it de- depends. I think where you fall on the spectrum of introversion and extroversion. Like, if I'm flat out exhausted at the end of the day, and my day requires me to be dealing with people, a lot of people during the day, that but I enjoy dealing with people. Then for me, I know. Okay, well, I like dealing with people. If I I enjoy it, but there's only a certain amount of it I can do. So, you know what I mean? For half the day, I'm okay to deal with people. The other half the day, not so much, <laughs> you, know? And then kinda, you know, to keep my own equilibrium. When there's jobs and things you can do where you could work fairly independently. Thomas would know that. Hey, Thomas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've been self-employed now for 16, 17 years. And, and one of the things that I had to do right at the beginning to, you know, to avoid the anxiety of, oh, when, when's that next, you know, payment coming in? When, you know, when is the next job coming in? That sort of thing. I've had to um, really compartmentalize to say, all right, whether it's five or six o'clock or whatever it is in the evening, it's like, I'm done with work. Mm-hmm. And that also means that I'm done thinking about work. You know, mm-hmm. so I try to give myself that space to say, I will always have time to think about work, right? Because mm-hmm. the next morning when I get up and I get back to work, that I'll have time to think about it. So I try to remind myself that I don't have to be thinking about that specifically tw- 24-7, you know, even though I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. So that was very helpful to just, you know, remind myself of that. It's like, you don't need to be thinking about this when the workday is done. And it's hard, you know, there's sometimes it'll it, it'll definitely intrude. Like you say, Samantha, especially when it comes to interactions, sometimes I can just sit there and and replay those interactions over and over again in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself eventually to say, you know, let's move on. Let's let go. I I do meditation and and mindfulness training and so that's helped quite a bit just to be able to notice. It's like, oh, look, I'm thinking about that again. Let's let's think about something else. So that's helped. One thing that I've done more recently, oh, within the last couple years, is I've been very, very strict about notifications on my devices. Like I basically turn on the do not disturb from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So no... No app notifications, no, you know, like on my Mac, I don't have that little thing that appears in the upper right corner when whatever happens. My email doesn't bing whenever there's a new email, stuff like that, so that I'm not pulled away from whatever it is that I'm focused on. And it also, I'm I'm finding it helps reduce anxiety quite a bit to not be constantly, you know, notified with little sounds and, and all that. Mm. And then there's also a a planning aspect. And and Rain, I think you alluded to this a little bit. And that is, is that if I'm, if I know that I'm going out, I'm going to be with a group of people, I kind of plan ahead of time, say, you know, I think I might see how long I'm going to last, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And if at that point, I'll check into myself and say, you know, I've had enough, Um, it's time to go. And my wife has been very helpful in that aspect you know she, she understands that part of me. So when we go out somewhere and there's a lot of people then you know she might check in with me at, at a certain point and say well how's it going you know sort of thing. So, so that's sort of like a pre-planning part. Coming up, Samantha relates an everyday situation not related to work where everything was claiming her attention and we discuss some perspectives that might help with that. Right after this Our podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program, with a mission of inspiring and empowering highly sensitives so you can use your natural, creative abilities to co-create an amazing and hope-filled future. The HSP World Mastery Program uses data-driven, positive tools and methods supporting your growth in a way that's gentle, thoughtful, and caring with an emphasis on positive impacts and results on your daily life. You can learn more about the HSP World Mastery Program by visiting hsp.world slash mastery. Now let's return to our podcast.
3: One thing for me about planning, I think we've talked a lot about work and the workplace and how to start your day right and how to, you know, perhaps take breaks or turn off the notifications. Maybe to give an example of the situation outside of work, I can recall a situation where when we took Ubers before COVID, when I was in an Uber with maybe two other friends and I was texting someone and The two other friends in the car were having a conversation with the driver. There was also music playing out of the radio. And I, without meaning to, and this is what I mean by I'm absorbing it subconsciously, I was fully engaged in my text conversation. I was listening to the conversation happening in the car with the two other people. I knew the song that was on the radio and was kind of subconsciously singing along to it. I knew exactly where we were geographically on this bridge, you know, crossing a river. I'd been there many times before. And... Just, you know, I was aware of the temperature in the car, and that's what I mean by at all times of the day. I don't know if anyone else is similar. That's the amount that I'm taking in f- sensory. It's not just a notification or an interaction. It's just everything that's sort of... Claiming attention or claimable is taking up. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you. I'm taking. Yep, I recognize you. Let me uh, give you brain space. And by the end of a simple Uber ride, I'm exhausted. And I liked that Robin was talking about each person has their own triggers. I think what's curious about me is one of my favorite types of music is actually electronic dance music, and I really enjoy going to the festivals with the bright lights and the really loud music and the people everywhere. And that seems like such a contradiction. And I think one of my triggers is already being tired or already being anxious. And that seems to send me on this path of not being able to tolerate or hold on to all of the sensory information if I'm already in a place of depletion, which goes back to what Rain was saying about the meditation. So a little different perspective there as well. Yeah.
1: The one thing I was going to add was for me, it's really helped me to understand what things are taking my energy and what things are giving me energy? And then what, what things are both, you know? Mm. So when I spend time in nature, that gives me energy. When I'm just kind of do my own kind of creative crafty stuff, you know, on my own, that gives me energy, you know? So kind of looking at what situations and what activities and what people you know where mm-hmm. right where where I'm giving I'm receiving energy or I'm just receiving energy or I'm just giving energy and yeah. being aware of what those situations are and what what my limits are you know because Like you were saying, Samantha, you like electronic music and going to concerts and dancing stuff, right? And for sure, tons of fun, right? But there probably gets to be a point where, depending on what you were doing the days prior to the concert and the day of the concert, you know, where you probably can get thrown into overwhelm and then anxiety and all that stuff can happen when, you know what I mean, when you kind of you might need a little bit of downtime before that happens you know cuz you enjoy it you enjoy it you enjoy it right and then knowing afterward okay i'm going to need downtime after this so you know it's not going to be like okay after the concert let's go to the bar you know <laughs> it'll be like yeah, yeah no that's enough <laughs> you know <laughs> that's so good
2: i i really like the concepts that you're bringing up rain you know this idea of almost an energetic bank account right yeah, like keeping track of what's coming in and what's going out, exactly as you would do with your literal bank account, and also the idea of establishing a baseline, right? Of of anchoring it firmly into your body, not just because I know Samantha, you're saying we well, you can't always plan for things. Well, anchoring it into your body, getting a, a physical, visceral sense of what it is to be, you know, at a good level of stimulation. I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, this is not just an HSP thing. Everybody has their limit at which they are physiologically over aroused. Everyone has that. It's not Mm -hmm. just HSPs. It's just that HSPs, given the fact that they're taking in so much more information and processing it more deeply are going to hit that limit sooner. Okay, so... It's, it's again about establishing your patterns, es- figuring out what are the things that are going to set you off and also getting really, really, really good at establishing where am I right now, right? And then so you can very easily anticipate, oh, you know what? We're heading to, or like oh, I was just in the car with my friends on the music and the text. As soon as we get out of the car, I'm going to need to go hang out in the bathroom for 10 minutes, right? And like not finding that weird and just like, finding a way to explain that to someone to be like guys just you're gonna have to be without me for 10 minutes I'm going to the bathroom (laughs) or or whatever right or even beforehand saying uh oh we're going to be in the car and I know those guys are going to talk and they're going to want the loud music okay I'm going to take 10 minutes in the bathroom before we get in the car whatever right but just understanding that exchange of the energy in and the energy out If I'm remembering this correctly, there's a a resource, I believe, in a a book that we've mentioned before on the podcast. Um, The book is called Making Work Work for the Highly Sensitive Person by Barry Yeager. And she recommends or she discusses a recommendation that she gave to a client who she asked this person basically to keep a log, a very detailed log for about a week showing, okay, what did I do like? like it was very intense for that one week. I think she was keeping an hourly log of what she was doing, how she was spending her time and at multiple points during the day seeing, okay, how do I feel, right? Like you can come up with various systems, but like how depleted or how rested do I feel, right? And the point was to collect enough data for that person to be able to see, okay, what gives me energy? What takes away my energy you know and and sometimes i think you said this rain sometimes it's not going to hit you immediately no. right because maybe it's something that both gives and takes energy from you so you're at that electronic dance festival you're there for the first night and it's amazing and it's wonderful and even the second day you're like this is wonderful i'm loving it and then suddenly late in the second night you start crashing Gosh. out yeah and mm-hmm. everyone else is still riding the wave and you're like man i can't do it right and you're like, why, what's wrong with me? Why is everyone else up there and I'm crashing? And it's normal, right? If you, but once you establish that pattern, you realize, okay, maybe I could even have anticipated this and skipped out on some of the day's activities to build up to the final evening or something, you know, or, or I keep going. And then now I just know that I have to recover for several days after. Right. But I think the better you can get at establishing those patterns for yourself, the easier it is to recognize what's going to happen.
1: Hmm. I was going to ask you, Samantha, are you HSS? What is that? Uh, High sensation seeking. Hmm.
3: I would say selectively, like I, the thing that really, really, makes me want to just jump out a window, which I won't, it would be uh, mouth noises. I I mm. really can't handle that. And I think that goes along with the misophonia that we hear is mm. now a trend around and linked to HSP. So if I'm in a meeting where someone is chewing gum, it I just... I like almost can't be there. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like visually, I'm I'm very uh, attracted. I do photography on the side, just kind of for fun as a hobby. And I'm very interested in the way that things look in a shot and a frame and very, you know, I love trying new food. So I think it's selective. I think my my hearing is very sensitive to certain sounds that are quite displeasing to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so what high sensation seeking means is 30% of HSPs are also high sensation seeking. Hmm. I'm one of them. On Elaine Aaron's website, hsperson.com, under the self-test, there's a test for the highly sensitive person trait, and then there's another one for high sensation seeking. So high sensation seeking is more about... You're more willing to take risks or try new things mm. than to, you know 70% of, of the other HSPs, right mm-hmm. And if if, you are, if you're an HSP and you also have HSS, there's kind of a, a double a double kind of uh, thing for you in learning to manage your trade because the HSP trade is different for every HSP. And then as well, if you're HSS and HSP, that's again, going to be different and individual to yourself also, right? So you might want to see if maybe you are HSS as well. Just, it might give you a little bit more added information because they they get bored. They like trying new things and traveling (laughs) and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's just another thing, that you you integrate in and learn to balance, to balance out, right?
3: I would be interested in taking that. I I don't think that that's me. I greatly enjoy new foods and traveling, but I do it extremely cautiously and I do it very planned out. And I think that's because, going back to being highly observant, I'm also naturally a little bit fearful of things. I do like to push myself to try new things, but I'm I don't believe that I'm seeking that constantly. I do like to have a variety of things, but I'm not uh, sort of jumping to it without planning it ahead of time. I don't know if that falls into that category still.
1: No, no. High sensation seek that. Well, they, they'll, they will take risks if they perceive that there will be a benefit, Mm. regardless Mm. of what the risk is, if they perceive there will be a benefit they'll typically go ahead and dive in kind of a thing, right? So just, I I don't know why, but when you were talking about competing, yeah, you know, and being really involved in sports and Mm. stuff like that, typically a lot of HSPs who are quite involved in competitive sports and stuff like that, they tend to be HSS, but it like every HSP is different. So there is no template. We're all unique. (laughs) Yeah. Thomas is a little bit HSS. Hey, Thomas.
0: I I think there's um, there's some aspects that I resonate with there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely like to to try certain new things when it comes into my creative pursuits. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for today's conversation. I'm wondering if there were some points that resonated with you.
3: It was a great conversation. I I think what I'm going to take away from it myself is uh, whether we are expecting to go into a day or a time period of a lot of stimulus or a lot of conversation or whether it's something that we don't foresee coming that's unplanned, it's definitely helpful to first uh, check in with yourself on your energy level and and what your energy bank is telling you almost like uh, how much gas you have in the tank in your car. So I I think that that will be helpful for me going forward, no matter what the day has in store for me to check in with myself on the accumulation of the last few days and even longer the last year and COVID, just what am i carrying in terms of energy that i can bring to today and then maybe the last thing that i would just add we talked a lot about some of the struggles with uh hsp and being naturally observant and taking in Stimulus, But I, I do just think it would be remiss to not mention some of the definite pros to that as well. I consistently get feedback from work that I'm detail oriented and analytical and organized and empathetic and can anticipate needs, you know, in advance. And I think if we play into those too much it can deplete our energy banks but I do think it's also something that is really unique about us and a place where we can potentially really shine too
1: absolutely yeah
0: and I think that also is reflected in your passion for photography Mm -hmm. to be able to see things and and probably see things in ways that uh, that others don't Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and that can be used as leverage too you know so when people, uh, I'm, I'm remembering this quote from Alanis Morissette, when she was interviewed in the highly sensitive movie, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, people loved the fruit of my sensitivity and my trade, but they couldn't deal with the rest of it. And so I think, you know, part of the, of seeing the energetic bank account is understanding like, well, sometimes this is going to bring us stuff and sometimes this is going to cost us. And so helping both ourselves and other people to understand that, like, listen, if you want this beautiful Part of my trait. if you want these, this, this edge and, and this ability that I have, right. You need to understand that there's, it it comes with certain necessities, right? Like maybe I need a little bit more downtime. Maybe I need to disappear into the bathroom for 10 minutes when other people wouldn't do that. You have to, like we say, you know, a lot of times people resist uh, giving us special treatment and it's like, well, look, do you want the special trait? (laughs) Do you want the special (laughs) ability? Fine, Mm. I'll stop the special ability if you won't give me special (laughs) treatment. Special ability comes with certain special concessions, or not even a concession. I mean, going to the bathroom—it's—it's not a big deal, Mm. normally, right? You know, but certain adaptations are are needed. Mm.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well said.
0: Thank you for joining us, Samantha.
3: Thank you for having me. It was uh, great to connect with other HSP folks. It always makes me feel. A less alone and more part of a community. So thanks again.
1: Thank you for coming on and having the courage, Samantha, to ask your question. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks to Samantha, to Thomas and Rain, and to all our listeners. So please join us for our next episode where we'll be having another interesting HSP conversation. And to any highly sensitives out there who have a burning HSP-related question big or small, we invite you to ask it on the HSP World Podcast. Just email info at hsp.world.
0: Our thanks to the HSP World Mastery Program and to all of you who support our show by subscribing and listening to our podcast, reading the blog posts on our website at hsp.world, and chatting with us on our social media channels. Your support is contributing to the upliftment of HSPs around the world. We're very grateful.